Mike check, one, two, one, two. Dozer in the house, you can hear him. <laughs> here with Kevin, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Glad to be here. I'm good, I'm good. We got a special, special guest, second ever guest, by far the most demanding. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Had ice and water. Ice and water, never mind. One took a blanket, this one. Yeah, ice like, and water. do we, we have a fucking budget. Yeah. Zach Palak is here, owner <laughs> of Optimal Human Performance. How are you, Zach? Good. You? I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Um, so Zach, for those that don't know, uh, works out of the Gorilla Compound. Uh, we've been sort of working together for the better part of my career. I'd say almost seven years now. Yeah. As as an athlete and then as a coach later. Um, so Zach is uh, for those that don't know, he's in physio school right now. I guess give us give us the run up to what led you to physio school and kind of the steps along the way. Man. Uh, so most of my athletic background is kind of around football. Uh, started playing when I was eight. All that stuff that Brad talks about as far as athlete development goes, I kind of skipped all that. Uh, started playing when I was eight, didn't really play anything else. And by the time I got to Bantam, I wasn't that good anymore. So I started to get into training on my own. And then ended up kind of getting involved with Brad in high school. Uh, so he was our team strength coach. And he was just starting to get into powerlifting himself and I wasn't even the strength coach. I was still the line coach. Because you made me, you're the first athlete I worked with because you wouldn't fucking leave me alone. <laughs> I, I wasn't the team strength coach because I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to train. And then Zach's like, show me how to squat. And then I was like, fine. And then he never left me alone. And now we're here. <laughs> here we are. So basically Continue. what I'm hearing is I'm the purpose for eats and all of this. Right yes. so you're, you're, you're welcome. Your stubbornness. Yes. And you're you've been welcome. credited many times with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I started training with Brad in, I think it was the summer after my grade 10 season. And really, really enjoyed it. Uh, got a lot stronger, saw a lot of results on the field. And I kind of knew at that point that that was something I was interested in. Uh, I was always curious about it. Kind of asked Brad every possible question. And so, I ended up, many questions. so many questions. So many questions. <laughs> All the questions. I ended up questions. continuing on with football. Um, I had a few scholarship offers and ended up signing with the University of Alberta. Um, and I went into the kinesiology program there. And I'd say probably partway through high school after meeting uh, Dr. Jeff Kubos, again through Brad. I realized that I wanted to do a little bit more as far as the rehab side of things. Uh, and as I kind of underwent my own injuries through my university career, that became more of my interest in training. And then following my football career, which ended in spectacular fashion, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I separated my shoulder on, I think, the second play of my final game in that season against Calgary. And at that point, I had already kind of decided that that was going to be a career for me. Um, and that was kind of just the cherry on top that put me over. Yeah. Um, and then at this point, I had already known that I wanted to do either physical therapy or chiropractic. Um, so I applied to both, uh, got into both, and ultimately physical therapy was a better option for me. I had to stay home. I got to keep training people out of uh, Brad's gym. And financially, it makes a lot more sense <laughs> right. than moving to Toronto and putting up six figures for four years of school. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, so I guess let's let's dive a little deeper into the injury history because that's sort of an interesting thing to to motivate someone to choose a career because they had such frustrating injuries in their career. So what specifically did you deal with uh, throughout your career that sort of pushed you down the path? Besides the separated shoulder, obviously was probably one of the more severe ones. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, I was really healthy throughout high school. I had a partially separated shoulder in grade ten. Uh, I ended up playing through the season with it wasn't super comfortable but didn't really have any complications afterwards and then the rest of my high school career i was relatively healthy it's hot in here folks it's hot in the studio head-to-head production studio head-to-head productions cooking you up and then uh in grade 12 i ended up dealing with just some tendinopathy issues in my knees and that's when Brad referred me to see Jeff made it through the rest of high school and then when I started training with the Bears I had just a ton of issues as far as hamstring strains go so I I think I had five total in the first season and ended up missing pretty much the whole year in red shirting um, Brad's kind of talked about his stance on hamstring injuries Excited. <laughs> um, and then I, I spent my third season playing most of the season, kind of limping through the season, literally and figuratively with a torn meniscus. And then in the final game, I had that shoulder separation. And so realistically, for playing 13 years of football, I did pretty well. Pretty unscathed. Yeah, <laughs> doing pretty good. Yeah, no like severe brain trauma. No. I mean, you were fucking weird from the time I met you, so yeah. maybe we just don't know yet. Yeah. But. yeah, I had a couple concussions in there. A couple diagnosed. Probably a few more than that. <laughs> a couple undiagnosed. No, no ill effects yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Okay, in the interest of full disclosure, also tried to recruit him to the University of Ottawa. We would have played together for at least a year. Yeah, yeah, I took a trip out to Ottawa. That was nice, but... That was they had the gym in the basement, right? Like the yeah. hardcore dungeon. Yeah, gym. that was by far my favorite favorite part of any recruiting trip was the workout in the, the dungeon at Ottawa with Coach Devin Murphy and <laughs> Kevin here. It was a blast. That was yeah. dope. He was recruiting hard for you. <laughs> it was a good time. So you're in your first year physio school right now yeah but you're so you're not a physio yet but at the gym you're sort of my go-to uh for for any you know injury that doesn't require i guess a medical you know yeah uh, degree to 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 work with um but down the physiopath but right now you're certified uh in dr andrea spina's system the functional range uh conditioning yeah, yeah. Correct. So, so let's talk about that because that's I'm I'm blown away by the system myself. Like for those that don't know, as a strength coach, I kind of utilize Kelly Starrett's um, Supple Leopard system, which I probably outdated now, but it does the job I needed to do. It gets my athletes to the point where they can train the next day or, or go to practice the next day. So it's good enough for what I need to do. But the FRC system that uh, that Zach is certified in is, I think, the next the next big thing in the industry in terms of injury mitigation. Um, and, and rehab work. So go ahead and run us through that. Yeah, so I, I took it for the first time February of, oh gosh, what is it, 2017, I think it was. Uh, I since took it another time. It was back in Calgary, so I went and took it for a second time. Uh, more or less, it's a framework of thinking, and it's kind of 
the brainchild of Dr. Andrea Ospina. The context behind it was he was in chiropractic school, uh, spent most of his life doing, I think it was Taekwondo or something like that, some sort of stand-up martial art, and got away from that while in school. And then when he went to go back to the system, he had lost a lot of his flexibility and mobility required for the sport. So being that he's a smart guy, he kind of dove into the research to see what principles there were surrounding mobility training and FRC is what he came up with. It's kind of how he integrated all of the research that he found into a cohesive system. So the real goals of the system are one, to develop mobility, two, to develop joint strength, and three, kind of trying to develop body control. So those are kind of the three pillars of the system. And then there's since been other systems that come off of it, like the functional range assessment, kin stretch, which is the group class iteration of FRC, I guess. And what it actually started with was his manual therapy courses. So they used to be called functional anatomic palpation. And that's a sexy name. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That gets people in the door. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've since been turned into functional range release. Um, but that was kind of where he started at, being that he was kind of the go-to guy on uh, campus at CMCC for anatomy. Yeah. So he, he came up with this system while in school? I think he started to get into the palpation stuff in school, yeah. him and Dr. Michael Shivers. Uh, and then afterwards, he kind of started putting the system together. Okay. Yeah. And just, just in his spare time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like we, because the, what they don't know listening, we're friends with Jeff Kubos and he is friends with Andreo Spina. And you probably would love to be friends with Andreo. I don't know if he considers you a friend. He hasn't added you on Facebook. <laughs> he he has not accepted my follower request. I did go out to dinner with him and Jeff, and when I took the course the second time, he recognized me, but that's that's about as far as we got. Do you remember your name? I think so. Do you, did he say it first? Yeah, he did. Okay. How do you remember me, oh, yeah. Zach? He remembers my name! <laughs> um, Don't worry, I played it cool. So anyway, yeah, we're, we're sort of a mutual friend through Jeff. Uh, Jeff actually was a year behind him in school and said that he used to like buy his notes off him and stuff. So, uh, but he calls him Dr. Dre, which is a, the coolest nickname yeah. in the fucking industry. <laughs> right. um, he, uh, but yeah, I guess he was like 4.0, like just an amazing, brilliant student. Yeah. And and practitioner now. Well, yeah, it's it's funny. I come from powerlifting where it's like, you know, my leg doesn't bend. Well, I'm gonna put a, a knee wrap on it until it can bend, <laughs> and then I'm gonna squat 900 pounds. I did that a couple times in my life. But then you've got, like, on the other end, like, we won't do shit. But then on the other end, Spina's like, oh, I can't touch my toes anymore. Well, let's fix mobility. Yeah. Just All period. Mobility. Let's revolutionize how we look at mobility. Basically. Just as a yeah. fun little side project. The old paradigm shift. Yeah. <laughs> so now there's there's a bunch of different streams within the system now, right? You talked about functional range release. You have... Um, the FRA, the assessment that you do, you have kin stretch. Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through how that all ties together within the system? Yeah, so probably the best thing that they do for all of the practitioners is they have a flowchart. And if you understand the individual pieces of the flowchart, everything makes a lot of sense. 
So I'll kind of walk you through what that would look like when someone is in front of me. Um, basically, we take them through an assessment, and the whole premise of the FRA is looking at who, what the person is wanting to do with their body, where they're presently at as far as passive range of motion, so how far your practitioner can take your leg without you doing any work or any other body part, um, and how much control do you have over that. So trying to replicate that same motion under active muscle contraction. Um, everybody wants to talk about kind of standard ranges of motion that people need, but what FRA does is it wants you to consider the individual and their goals. So yeah, because it's going to change if you have you know a power lifter versus oh, a, sure. a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu athlete. You know, yeah, one has more requires more range of motion, motion than the other yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you want to look at two different extremes. Like most of the people I see are usually kind of post rehab, not necessarily sporting goals. They just want to feel better. Yeah. So their requirements are going to be a lot different than some of the people that, for example, one of the FRC instructors, Hunter Cooksies. So he works with a lot of Cirque du Soleil athletes, professional dancers. Like their requirements are wildly different from the average person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and from there, based on the findings of the FRA, if they're more, I want to say, pathological and that they require the treatment of a manual therapist, so a chiropractor, a physical therapist, a massage therapist, somebody who can actually put their hands on a person, yeah. then that kind of goes down the FR stream. If there aren't those sort of pathological issues there, then they're clear to work with FRC, which is really the whole overarching system. When you take the course, you're required to take FRC before you can take anything else because it's the basic principles of the whole system. Yeah, that's your foundation. And I mean, there's pieces within that too. Like if they need more passive range of motion, then we have a modality called pails and rails. I won't, you know, explain the, the acronym because it's, podcast, is what you're it's me. kind of a mouthful. Um, or if they just lack control over the passive range they have. So they have a discrepancy between their active range of motion and passive range of motion. Then there's different modalities there. And then we talked about kin stretch as well. Kin stretch is kind of the end stage of the system. Like if you have most of the prerequisites met, you're free to explore and continue to expand the control over your, your body and your ranges of motion. So that's kind of the cliff notes version of the, the flow chart. Can we just point out the time you made me do the kin stretch class? I have zero of the prerequisites <laughs> anything ever required for that. Like I can't sit. At the time, I couldn't sit on the ground. I was like 50 pounds heavier, probably 40 pounds heavier at the time. Probably. It was miserable. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. It was ugly. I, I hated that. I almost felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> I almost felt bad. Well, almost. Fuck you too. How's <laughs> that? Um, so, what do you, what, tell us the biggest success story you've had with, uh, with this system of, of injury rehab or, or if it's, whether it's an athlete or just getting like a gen pop person back to living 
uh, regular life? What is, or, or more than one story, but what are some big changes, significant things you've seen happen implementing this system? Uh, I think the biggest thing is, I'd say the first one that comes to mind is I had a guy that had probably like a 12 year history of low back pain. Nothing insidious, just like general mechanical low back pain. Yeah. And I had tried everything. He was a referral from Jeff actually. Uh, and he just was not getting better. And he spent probably eight months to a year with me. And it's kind of one of those clients that you have to point out the positives to him. Like yeah. it just wasn't a hundred percent better. So it wasn't better. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't yeah, black and yeah. white, then there's no progress. It's just, when is it better? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's fine. Um, but one day he just came in and he's like, yeah, like this, this is weird because I woke up last week and I didn't have any back pain. And it's the first time that I noticed I didn't have any back pain. And I kind of waited for it to come back. <laughs> and it's been two weeks now and like, it still feels good. He's just waiting for and it kind of continued that way for a little bit. He's like, yeah, like I don't have back pain anymore. I think, I think I'm kind of good Cheers. to go. Yeah. And, uh, like he, he went from not really being able to do a lot of activities that he enjoyed to, he actually went and hiked Machu Picchu with his daughter, which was super cool. Unbelievable. Yeah. And he was not naming names, but he was an older gentleman as well, right? Like he was, yeah, yeah. He was in his sixties. Yeah, he was in his sixties. He was getting Holy after it, man. Wow. He was there three or four times a week. I remember seeing him. Yeah. He was working. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of, I'm just waiting for it to go back. <laughs> that's the worst thing to wait for. Yeah, like right. that's, that's the best way to ensure that your back pain comes back. So <laughs> they're be like, I'm just waiting for this to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think that just speaks to so many people are walking around with pain or discomfort and it becomes their new normal. Yeah. So I think when you can kind of give them steps in the right direction it makes a big difference oh 100 yeah. i mean it's especially when it comes to like i mean you you hear from a, a, a therapist or a chiropractor usually that like hey your hips are out of line and you keep going back your hips are out of line your hips are out of line your hips are out of line and that's all you're going to get yeah so, you know like oh they just keep going back and you know you go back to doing exactly what you do and they hurt again and you go back and it to eventually be free of that cycle, it's it, it really is uh, like you're you're just sitting there like, are you sure? Like, yeah. it isn't just gonna come back at a thousand times worse. I'm gonna fall over one day. Like you're just it, you're so used to it. I think that's that I think way. I think that's a product of this industry. Like, if we were to just take the fitness industry as a whole, yes, the industry is is designed and based on failure. That's yeah. how it profits. That's how it moves forward. Yeah. Whether we're talking supplements, exercises, you know, programs, diets, right? Whatever. It's it's all about getting you a little bit of progress and then take two steps backwards. And yeah. now buy the new product. And I think like a system like that VRC system is like it, no, like here, we'll we'll really get you out of pain and it'll really it'll really improve your quality of life. Yeah. And it's hard to believe that from you know, like this, this industry is full of snake oil salesmen. I think it's hard to believe that anyone is actually here to help and, and to get you out of pain without, oh, but now you need to buy this to stay out of pain. Like, yeah, like, no, exactly. We'll, just, we'll give you the tools to, to get out, you know. I think that's a really important thing that, that the FRC system does is, 
like like I talk about using Kelly Starrett's model, and he had this vision of bridging the gap from clinician to strength yeah. coach. And I think Spino with the FRC system has done just that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you talked about. You mentioned that most of your clients like post rehab, so they'd seen their physio, yeah, um, because you're not certified for that yet. So they saw their physio. Physio said, "Yeah, you can get back to exercise," but instead of just coming to see me to get stronger, see Zach and let's build up some prerequisites and some some uh, some of the low level stuff. And then make sure that when we are training, right, then then we're getting the most out of it. Yeah, I I think that's the biggest thing is just training and rehab aren't so different. And like, there's guys like, you know, Kelly Starr is maybe primitive as some of his methods are. Did a really good job championing the idea that training and rehab aren't so different and you should be able to kind of care for yourself a little bit yeah. and yeah. your training should also have longevity in mind not just okay like i'm going to train until something hurts uh, i'm going to fix it and just return to the previous state where i got injured in yeah. and then go back to doing exactly what i was doing yeah like it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense right yeah 100 percent. and it, it almost seems it, it literally was that it was like you would go to your physio, like, I mean, as a person who was in university, you had a physio that you were allowed to go see for free. You would just go to them, you'd be pain-free, and they're like, cool, and then you would literally stop going to them 100%. Even though it's free, yeah. you could stop going, because they wouldn't even want to be like, hey, we'll check in with you every so often. Usually they're like, cool, get out there, have some fun, and then you're like, you know what? It's like, you you get to a point where you're like, it's bugging me, and they're like, eh, yeah, you should be fine, like, do this. And it's like one thing, it's like, you know, touch your toes every morning for 30 minutes, yeah. you know, or something. And then it's like, like, that's a fix. And then all of a sudden you go to the back to that point and they're like, where this regression happened and you just like, you, you never had any control. And I feel like Dr. Kelly's rec gave you a little bit of control. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things and one of the commonalities between Kelly Starr's methods and Dre's methods are that they're trying to educate people on the fact that there needs to be some sort of self-care and yes. maintenance. Yeah. Yes. When we, and this is one of the cool things that I really enjoyed about the FRC lecture was he talks about what he calls the evolutionary perspective of health. And when we look at things time-wise, we're really not that far removed from our hunter-gatherer ancestors. So the idea that we can sit in a chair for eight hours a day at the office, go to the gym after work for an hour, maybe three, four days a week, and we're gonna get some sort of physical benefit that's gonna be able to outweigh the fact that we've been sitting or laying in bed most of the day. Yeah. It just doesn't just make so sense. so far removed from our roots of what we're supposed to do as humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To the point where we create artificial work in gyms just to serve that primal need to move something. You yeah. Know what I mean, like I always laugh. We've got this thing at the gym called the war wagon, and it basically looks like a wheelbarrow, and you just load plates on it, and it's like somebody made the wheelbarrow <laughs> to make their work easier, <laughs> and now we've turned the wheelbarrow into something. To make our lives more difficult and add stress to our bodies. You know what? When I was when I was getting after it and powerlifting competitively, load that fucking war wagon up and let's go. Let's see who can do the most weight or who can hold on the longest. But fucking tell me to shovel dirt into a real wheelbarrow and move it around. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm not trying to work hard. Go fuck yourself. 
right? Like, went from getting paid to do actual work to paying somebody to tell you to do work. <laughs> Quick, load that so, wheelbarrow. You're so, like, yeah, I'll do that. It's like a beautiful thing. <laughs> and the great thing about it too is that when we do have physical tasks around the gym, head, like, oh, we got to move this equipment. Well, now it's part of your workout. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do monolith carries across the gym. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a. I think that's a pretty good first episode. Get into uh, to some hip hop. Zach is insisting we don't talk about hip hop. <laughs> Zach knows less than uh, Zach. Who's name a rapper? <laughs> we were just watching some Eminem videos. So ah, it counts. I got Even though he's white, it counts. <laughs> or uh, who's that other guy? I Ta- don't know. Takashi. <laughs> <laughs> Zach knows Eminem and Takashi. There it is. The guy, Never mind. The I guy, the guy with the rainbow hair. <laughs> you have a, you have the full scale. Of, you have the breadth of hip hop. You, under, you like, understand everything that's happening <laughs> because you know of scale. Eminem and Takashi. <laughs> I know some stuff. Here's sure. here's what I want to know. It has nothing to do with hip hop because you don't know anything about hip hop. What the fuck does Zach Palak listen to? Because I've known you for way too long and still. If someone asked me today what's his favorite band, if they even asked me what's his favorite genre of music, I don't know, because every time I ask, you say you just listen to the voices in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mm, Great great tune, I guess. Honestly, I catch a lot of flack from the kids at the gym for this, too. I don't really listen to music an awful lot. Either I just have the radio playing and I'm not really paying attention, or I just listen to a lot of podcasts. Like, it's... It's probably a good half hour drive at least for me from my house to school every day. So I've always got like a, a steady stream of podcasts downloaded on my phone. Uh, as far as music goes, pretty much whatever Brad is playing at the gym. I remember one time when we were first training together, he actually gave me a, a DVD with a, or sorry, a CD with a bunch of the Jedi mind tricks. Why, it is. <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of like an MP3, but it's on a disc. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> but it was like Jedi Mind Tricks and Vinny Paz and uh, Ill Bill, Ill Bill, background shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about that, but I did listen to that at one point. I'm such a great influence. On you. <laughs> right. Still, still, I've got my head tattooed. Still, don't forget to tattoo it. You should. Everyone should get their head tattooed. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hip hop, Kevin. Go. What do we got? Okay, okay. I was listening to um, Drake. I'm sorry. I did it. I listened to the Nickelback of hip hop. Oh, um, that's good. I've never heard that. <laughs> um, uh, I'm a fan. I don't know. I, I like I like the his like rapper stuff more than his singing stuff. I think he's an awful singer. Yeah, he's not bad. Like it's, uh, it's, uh, it's I think a he's weird an okay tone. rapper and an awful singer. He sounds whiny when he sings to me. Uh, that's fair. That's you fair. Know. It's kind of the shtick. I don't know if girls like that music. I don't it just know. seems douchey. Um, my, I, I was listening to uh, Big Rings. I really like that. Like, uh, it's uh, you know, just kind of a, it's an anthem song, get you hyped up type of thing. So yeah. It's, a, it's decent, him and future in that. Cool, so. cool. I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, and Zach brought it up. We watched a Takashi video for a song. You know what? Fuck, I fuck with that song. I think it's called Billy or something. Billy, yeah. I, don't, I have this, 
I have a subgenre of rap that I like to call punch you in the face rap. Yeah. The shit that just takes me to a different place, and that's that's just one of those songs. It just makes me want to rob a Korean bodega. You know what I mean, like, I want to go to New York and rob a Korean bodega because that song is fucking New York, and it's he's such a dweeb, but the song is good. Yeah. I guess if I close my eyes and pretend it's not Takashi, <laughs> so I guess that's a sad day in hip hop. Kevin listened to Drake. I'm listening to Takashi. It's falling apart. The world's burning. Zach doesn't listen <laughs> to music. But on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can listen to this podcast. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening. Try to uh, get Zach back in here for another episode or two. See how that goes. Catch you next time.